So we've been talking about many things. And last week we got talked about in the last couple of weeks about really what prayer is. And people's messed it up. Prosuke is where it's vows that are exchanged prayer. Suke is the face, pros in front of. And so we get the idea when we pray, it's really the facial feature, two ears and one mouth. And if we'll do twice as much listening as we do talking, our prayer life with God will go a lot better. Because what we have to say is not that important. I've heard what you have to say. It's not that big a deal. But boy, when God says it, everything, my life changes. And so I threw in last week this, this thing of all the disciples saw Jesus do. They saw him heal lepers. They saw him open blinded eyes. They saw him open deaf ears. And they've even watched him raise two or three people from their death. But there's one thing they asked him to do, which you just teach us how to pray. And I've said this, but I would love to have been Mary hiding behind the door when Jesus was four saying his bedtime prayers. What a great conversation to be in on. So next week we're going to get to the temple and then we're going to get back on manifold. But um, we're going to do our very best next week to show you why the church is messed up. Turn to somebody and say, well, you're a living. No, don't say that. Don't say that at all. Teach us to pray. Matthew 6 and 9. He said, well, just teach us how to pray. That's what they ask. Now, if you don't know this, the word father in, in, the old, in the old Hebrew is called Abba, or it's really pronounced Abi. So I'm going I'm to clear up the mud for some of you. Uh, Abba, the New Testament Greek word is the word patir. And, but the Old Testament word is a word for, we, used to, we know the word Abba, but that's not really, it's, it's kind of correct, but it's not. It's Abi, A-B-I, where we get the word Abba is father or Abi is daddy. And so when we kind of translate to English, there's a difference between father, dad, and daddy. Let me back that up. There's a difference between the old man, my father, my dad, and daddy. Okay? When you use the word as they used it back then, Abby is daddy. It's a term of endearment. So the idea this morning... The word father in the Greek is patir. And patir is a word where we get an English word for pattern. We're going to talk about fathers. This is not Father's Day, but we're going to talk about it because we're going to learn how to pray. So a pattern. So the idea, some of you are way too early to know this. Now, Luana's not. But, but back then, you couldn't go to Walmart and pick out a costume. You couldn't go there and say, hey, I want to look like Don Dixon for Halloween. I mean, don't we all? But we can't. So what the grandmothers would do, even clothes, they would take you down to either Woolworth, Woolco, or somewhere, and they'd take you to the back where all the fabric was, and they'd have a display of patterns. And it had pictures on the front of it, pictures of pumpkins and goblins and angels and everything. And she would say, Whatever you want to be for Halloween or whatever, you just pick it out. So we, we just look around. Anybody remember those days? Anybody older than I am? Yeah, a lot of you are. Virgil, I know you are. And so you would say, I want to be like that. Whatever it was on the, on the picture. So she would say that it is. So she would grab the pattern, go home, buy the material, and lay it out on the table and when she laid it on the table, this pattern had lines according to your size. 
and they've cut around the lines. The idea of a father, Pater, is what this is what I want to be like. And when he just says the word father, it's more than just father, old man, dad, and daddy. It has everything to do with the term like, if there's any one thing that I want to become like in my whole entire life, it's like you, God. I appreciate you, but I don't want to be like you. And as much as the good words that he said about me, I don't know if he meant them, but he don't want to be like me. Our whole objective here is not to be like any other people. Our objective here is to be more like God. Because when we're more like man, it gets confusing and we get a lot of anger and hate. No, well, thank goodness you got your belly full of it because now then we can pursue the high calling which is in Christ. So Patir has everything to do with, when he says the word father, it's more than just it means I want to be like my father. I want to be like him. So this morning that Hebrews 6, excuse me, Hebrews 12 and 6 through 11 explains this relationship between a, a loving father and his children. Now we're going to get to some of you that didn't have a loving father, so just hang on to me with a little bit. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 6 through 11. Let's read that. This is the Message Bible. It's the child that he loves, he disciplines. Has your father ever loved you? Oh. <laughs> A lot. The child embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you, that's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble that you're in is in punishment. And the word trouble is the word for discipline, but it's not punishment, but it's training. Things do not happen to you. Things happen for you. God's educating you. The normal experience of children, only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? I have been accused of a lot of things. But I will tell you one thing. I've never left you to fend for yourself. You may not like what I have to say, but God is not only good to us, but he's good for us. Do you want a God that will not fend for you? Do you want a God that lets you grow up to be irresponsible? Do you want to belong to a church that they just throw off rules and regulations according to Scripture and say, do the best you can? Because the Bible said in the book of Judges twice, Israel did what was right in their own sight and they fell off into depravity. Nothing's changed. There's no new sin. No new sin. Nothing's changed. We just put it on different clothing of it. All right, let's go. So we respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training or discipline so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed to be best in them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. And at the time, discipline isn't much fun. No one said, well, your daddy was giving you a licking. Oh, I love this. Can we do this tomorrow? Nobody says that. It always feels like it's going against the grain. He hates me. 
But later, as we grow up, we figure that our mother and father are smarter now. The older we get, our mother and father was geniuses probably. And later, of course, it pays off handsomely for it is the well-trained who finds himself mature in the relationship with God. I refuse. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. You know what that means? It doesn't mean like I got a vision for the church. That's not what that means. The word vision means to cast off restraints. The NIV gets it right. Where people cast off restraints of the structure and the discipline of God, they all go crazy. Where there's no vision, my people perish. The word perish is a word called dominant. It means they run wild. When you cast off the restraint and the discipline and the structure of the word of God, people go nuts. It's like Walmart. Don't go there. Don't do it. So this morning for a little bit, we're going to explain to you the role of Jesus said, I want to be like my father. I want to be like him. And, and if Jesus wanted to be like his father and pattern his life after his father, then should we not do the same? And I appreciate you and you appreciate me, but, the, but I'm going to fail you and I'm going to disappoint you and I'm going to let you down. I may not mean to, but I will. But I'll tell you, there was, there was one that will never fail you nor disappoint you. Yeah, your eyes, that's where your eyes need to be set on him. It's not church growth. It's, it's, it's Christ growing in you. Turn to somebody and say, I can tell by looking at you, you're growing. I saw you. First Thessalonians 2, verse 7, verse 11. Paul says, when you came to this church, we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own child. Now, you found this out when you came here. I'm both mother and father to you. Some called me rabbi, some called me padre, and then some called me a lot of things when I'm not around. It's okay. It's all right. Paul said, when, when we came to you, we treated you like a, a, a mother nursing her child. Verse 11 says this, but after a while, as you know, how we exhorted you and comforted you and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. See the word charged? Mastigu. It means to discipline. The word mastigu is where we get a word to even leave a mark. Yep. To leave a mark. Now, I know that's against DHS law, so I'm not advocating leaving a mark. But I will tell you that sometimes according to your unruliness is according to God's strength in his lectures and his correction. Because we all know what it's like to have children you can just look at and they'll straighten up. And then we have some that are a Kansas Jayhawk fan. That won't work. Easy. So the idea is this. The role of a godly father, he is a disciplinary. And as a disciplinary, the scriptures are clear that fathers are to correct and protect the people we love. This was the original assignment that was given in the Garden of Eden to dress and keep, maintain and monitor it. That was the original job description that God gave Adam. Dress and keep it or manage it and guard it. We as fathers, because God our Father, it's his responsibility to correct 
and protect the one he loves. Now watch this. It's, I think it's found in, uh, we'll, we'll get that in just a minute. Two of my sons are not here. But if a man sees his son outside the, the perimeters of a fence, a good father will say, hey, Junior, get that thing back in the fence. And, and if that boy continues to ignore the father, the father's voice gets a little louder, louder and he says, I'm telling you to get that thing back in the fence. And I see your lip dropping and I see you pouting and I see your eyes sweating with something. But besides that, I love you. You get back in the fence. And if the response of the little boy would say, well, Jimmy gets to ride his bicycle up and down 12th Street all he wants to. The issue is here. Where's Jimmy's daddy? Anytime a Christian that says, I have no covering, I'm my own covering, I'm my own boss, you're setting yourself up for danger. A true father and a good father, and this is what I try to be to you. So when you first come here, I'm really nice to you, and I? I'm really nice. And, and if your first time visiting, you're going to go, hey, that guy is so nice. I'm going to get to you, Jeremy, in just a minute. <laughs> and then you just pull a boneheaded stunt. And I'm not going to do it from the pulpit, but how many of you know that I'll say, I need to see you at church? Uh-huh. Well, what happens is I loved you as a nursing mother to a child, but the day will come that I have to be a father to you because you have escaped from the perimeters of the fins of the boundaries of the scriptures. So, fences and perimeters were designed to protect the people we love. Hebrews 12 and 8 says this. But if you are without chastening or correction or discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are a illegitimate and you're not a son. Now the King James used a word we're not going to repeat in church because we have young ones here. But it starts with the letter B. If God does not correct you, you're not his. Make no mistake about it. I'm not of the, of the thought of, of, of the theology of the church is the democracy. I'm not of that issue. God is sovereign above all things. Divine election, I'm in. Foreknowledge, predestination, I'm your guy. You may not like it, you may not understand it, it doesn't matter. You don't know how a rocket gets on the moon, but it does, so there. But here's, here's, here's level one. If God does not convict you or discipline you when you do dumb things, you are not his. Anybody besides me and Jeremy done a, a dumb thing? There you go, Jeremy. Thank you. And right when we get through doing it, we say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. You know what that is? 
We're going, yes, the Holy Spirit is working because he is working upon the hearts of his sons and daughters. And if God just lets you run up and down the highway on a bicycle without saying anything to you, you say, oh, I can do this and I can do that and I can do this and I got baptized in that church and I can live like hell, all that thing. I'm just, I, I hate to break your spiritual bubble, but more than likely you don't belong to him. You may belong to him in a membership of a card, but if you're born again of God, can see by the Holy Spirit, there's indicators and alarms going off saying, this is not the heartbeat of the Father. Turns two people and say, I love Sister Gala. It's a great. The prodigal son. Luke 15, it's the prodigal's not even in the Bible. It goes back to that rare study Bible that will get you in trouble putting their own comments. The word prodigal is not in the Bible. So why don't we say prodigal son? Because the word prodigal, by definition, it means someone without perimeters or boundaries. That's what it means. There's no word prodigal in your Bible. Is that shocking to some of you? No. So what happens is the word prodigal means is, is a young man that is, is living his life without perimeters or boundaries. So here we have a young man and, and, and the father had two rebellious sons. One left, one stayed home. And so this one said, I've had enough of you, old man. And the Bible said, I want my inheritance. And off he goes. He said, I'm going to become a plumber. <laughs> Got him in trouble. Oh, he, you know what happens to them plumbers. They run away and now watch this. This is Luke. This is the King James, Luke 15. This is when he comes back. And the oldest one said, what's all the noise and the music? And when somebody said, he answers him to his father, lo, these many years, he said, I, I serve thee, neither transgressed at any time the, thy commandment, and yet thou gavest me a kid, never gave me to be a kid, and that might make merry with my friends. This is the older son. This is the older son. He's complaining to his father. Look at the NLT. It's a better translation. Two verses. The older son said, all these years I have slaved. That is the correct Greek word. I've been a slave to you. I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all the time that you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Verse 30. Yet when this son of yours. Amazing, isn't it? This son of yours comes back after squandering his money on PVC pipe and whatever he does and the prostitutes and, and now you're going to kill him the fatty cat. Listen, rebellion is not measured in miles. Rebellion is measured in smiles. They both were in rebellion. One just left and the other stayed. And when he come right down to it, he told his dad, he said, I've been a slave to you. The sad part about this is that the, this, this, this whole analogy should be called the, 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 the parable of the father. So I've been a slave to you. And what broke the father's heart is I've never treated you like a slave. I've always treated you like a son. 
It's amazing, ladies and gentlemen, that the people that are sitting in churches today never know God our Father as Abi or Daddy. They only know him as if I don't straighten up, he's going to send me to hell. And this morning, I want to kind of clear up the fog for you. God's not trying to send you to hell. He don't need any help. You're doing your very best to get there. And some of you run off and some of them have left and, and, and they come back and some of them stay. They're bitter, they're angry, they're mad. And, and you know, and I, for 30 something years, I've seen it. And I want to say, I wish you'd have went with them. I've had people come here, how you doing? I'm here. Well, I know you're here, moron. I mean, besides that. How long are you going to preach? Well, according to your temperament, I may be here all afternoon. It's in me. I'll be here all weekend. You see what happens is, is that our, our perspective of God, just because you haven't run off to become a plumber with the prostitutes and the pimps, just because you stayed in the church, but you still can be in rebellion. And you lose this relationship with your father. Wow. The scripture calls it fatherless and fatherless means there's really no real relationship with her father. Now, for some of you, you've never had a good God-fearing dad or example in your home. I'm not going to ask you for hands because I, I know a lot of your lives. But some of you may say that my dad was not the role model of a kind and generous dad. So I told you this before, but I'll say it again. Two grown twin brothers goes into a counseling office, both aged 30, sits in front of a counselor, and one drops out of high school. He's living off the street. He's got a $3 million house. It's called the bridge on I-35. But besides that, he's, he's just living from hand to foot of other people. He, he doesn't bathe once a month. And the other boy, raised in the same household, is a CEO of, of maybe IBM with a loving wife and three children. And the counselor says, I don't, I don't understand. And the counselor says here, both of you say that you lived and you grew up in a very abusive, drunken home by a father. And the counselor said, what happened? And the boy that turned out to be absolutely a skid row said, well, my, my father beat us he was drunk his entire life. What do you expect? And turned to the other young man that was successful and said, our father beat us and was a drunk. What do you expect? Just because you didn't have a God-fearing father that loved you and treated you with kindness, it should be enough reason for you to do the opposite. So what your dad didn't raise you good? So what you wasn't loved and, and nourished in a, in a good, godly way? So what? That should be enough motivation to say, you know what? I was raised like that, but I promised my children I would never treat them the way that I was treated. I'm going to get my eyes on my heavenly father and everything that he says and does in his scripture. I want to be just like him. And the Bible says God is loving and he's patient and he's kind and he's good to a thousand generations. 
And if you had the opportunity like myself to be raised in a good God-fearing home, I had a wonderful example. What else would you expect? So there's no excuse for, as a role of a father, for you not being exactly what God has called us to do. 2018, I read a a little bit of information and uh, they said on Mother's Day in 2018, before COVID hit, before Mother's Day, that somehow they got the facts and figures that over, it was called a high percentile of 97%. So between 97 and 98%, all prisoners send their mother's Mother's Day card. Has anybody here been in jail, Jeremy? Yes, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> but when it comes to Father's Day, less than 4%. And one inmate was quoted saying this. The reason why that I'm here is because my father wasn't there for me. And I understand. Some things we can't help. You cannot change people. The Bible gave dominion. God gave dominion over fish, fowl, felines. But there's one thing he said, I'll never give you dominion over his other people. You can suggest, you can plead, you can pray, you can beg, you can set the example, but you cannot make anybody do anything that they don't want to do. So the role of the father, as this inmate said, the reason why that I'm here is because that he wasn't there for me. And some of you that you was raised in the home, maybe you didn't get the godly fathering that you should have. And for those that we did, you're very fortunate. Both my parents are gone now, and, and, and as I get older, I really begin to appreciate the leadership and the correction and the discipline of my father. He set rules and premises for me, and I was really afraid of him. There's nothing wrong with that. He drove a tank in World War II. I've seen swastika patches and, and arrowheads and all kinds of things, and I, I figured out when I was 17, This cat has probably been involved in many fights in Germany. I don't think I want to cross him today. So he says, teach us to pray. And when we find out that God is our provider, our protector, our guardian, it should bring comfort to our lives. Now my mother, my mother was different. My mother was raised in a little different upbringing than my dad. But when my mother got mad, it was, she exploded. She grabbed whatever was in her hand with the smacking me with it. And Don, I didn't deserve any of it. I'm gonna tell you right now. Mm-mm. She grabbed a swath glass water and she just start, she starts saying crazy stuff like, I'm just doing this for your own good and just smacking me with it. Yeah. I mean, she'd pick up a yardstick and she said, I re- the real only reason why I'm doing this is because I love you. I said, hey, if you love me, you get in the kitchen and cook me some dinner if you really love me. <laughs> so is there a correlation between our Heavenly Father and his correction? And if so, am I relating as a Christian to my father or to my mother? So now then, hang on, hang on. We're going to get somewhere. You're not going to like it, but hang on. Oh, you might like it. So my son's growing up, mostly Jeremy. 
Anybody know Jeremy? That's my wife's middle son, that one is. Now, Jordan is my son in the back. So when he got about 15 or 16, if he was wanting to go on a, an outing and needed permission, that it was a questionable outing with some of his friends. And he knew that dear old dad was not going to co-sign for him to go. Um, especially with anybody's last name with like Edge. He, he would always go to his mother first. Now I know your children has never done this. Never. But if, if he was going to go somewhere and wanted to stay a little late and, and he would always, and he knew dad would say no. That was my middle name, no. But he would go ask his mom first. And he put his arm around his mom and said, Mom, you know I love you. and You know, you're so sweet. And would you please talk to Dad? Because you have a way with him. And you can flutter your eyelashes at him. And, and, and I want to stay out late or I want to do this and, and I want to do this. And, and she would tell him, go ask him yourself. Because I want you to hear me something, and, and I want you to hear me very clearly. My wife is not a witch. If my wife would have gone against my no, because my job as a father is to correct him and protect him, and if she would have said, go ahead and go, it would have been manipulation and witchcraft. Are you with me? Yeah. Oh, it's going to get worse. So what she would say is, have you asked your dad? No. And she would say, go ask him. And he would say, I'm not asking him. And she would say, don't be afraid to talk to him. Don't be afraid to go with him. He's not going to eat you. And there's one thing about myself and the role of a father. I may be firm, but I'm always fair. My job as being a father figure to you in this church for all these years, I know sometimes I'm firm, but I'm fair. And if, if I'm a little firm to you, it's only because that I love you. I'm not trying to incarcerate you. I'm not trying to do anything. All I'm just telling you to do, let's stay within the perimeters of the scriptures of the word of God. And there's a lot of activities that we can do that it's fine and we're all mature. We're good to go. There's no list that's going to drop out of the scene and say, look, you can't do this and you can't. We've never done that here. So if God is our father, which he is, and the church is our mother where it's nursing. The question is, is the only reason why you go to church is to get permission from your mother to something that God has already said no to? So you're going to come to me and you say, well, 
what does the Bible say about a certain subject? And I will say, this is not opinion. This is what the word of God says. I'm not even going to name one. Now, you know, so I said, well, what about driving backwards in reverse? Well, the Bible doesn't talk about that, but I'm going to tell you right now, it beats some of your driving. You may want to try that. I don't know. I've seen some of you drive. But specific things, there's five of them. In Revelations, there's five of them. Remember, signs on the interstate when you get off the ramp is yellow and black. They can't give you a ticket for going 70 when a sign is yellow and black. A sign that's in yellow and black is a suggested speed. But a sign in white and black is law. All right? There's a lot of things in the Bible that God puts in there that says this. You be, if you're smart, you probably wouldn't do these things. You're not going to go to hell over it. It's not a heaven and hell issue. But you'd be smart not to do these things because in the, in the result of it, if you do that, then that's going to happen. So don't hang around an angry man or a furious man unless you learn his ways. There's a lot of things that are yellow and black, and I'm telling you, and I would say to you, they're in yellow and black. Just be careful. Just be careful with it. But there are some things that are in white and black, and I'm not just talking about Old Testament. So Revelation names them. And, and so you're going down to the, you're going down to their list, name them. Well, I'm not none of those. Things. But the first one's called fearful. Are you afraid? Ooh. Do you worry? You have anxiety. So you just got to be careful. So quit that. You're breaking God's law. So what happens is that that certain things that are questionable in the church. And and so you come to me and say, hey, what about this? And I'm going to say, this is what the scripture says. It's not my opinion. This is what the scripture says. And if it's in your heart to do it, you're going to ignore your father that's telling you no, not because he's mad at you, it's because it's his job to protect you and correct you. So what you do, you jump up and you go to another church. So if you don't like the first Baptist church, you go to the second Baptist church. Say, hey, what do y'all think about that, this doctrine here? I just left across the street and said, oh, we like that doctrine. Well, I'm in. <laughs> what happens if I tell my son, Jeremy, you cannot go? I know these kids. I know, I know their upbringing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want you going with them. And what happens is he goes straight to his mother and his mother said, oh, your dad's just a funny daddy. Go ahead and go. What's happened is, is that they have subverted the father figure and the authority in the house and used witchcraft. And later on in life, you'll see bad things happen. This is all I'm telling you. Don't come to church and don't hunt a church because the mother is going to give you what you want to hear. Go somewhere where the word of God can be spoken in love and, 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 and goodness and, and, and little correction and, and a little kindness. Because if he does not discipline us, we're not his. And that's why John says, I will never leave you comfortless orphananos. I'll never leave you like a child without a, without a father. 
One thing about an orphan is this. He never knows who his father is and he never knows where home is. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you comfortless. You'll always know who your father is. And even though you wander off, you'll know how to come home. Say, you know what that is? That's nothing more or less than the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Closing this morning, God told Ezekiel, he said, come here, I want to talk to you. And Ezekiel, he went like, me? And God said, come here, I want to talk to you. You stand in front of me. And the Bible says when Ezekiel got fairly close to the voice of God, he fell like a dead man. And God said this, stand to your feet, man of God, because I want to talk to you. I want to reveal to you my heart and my motives for the nation of Israel. God's not mad. God's not punishing you. If we belong to God, if we are sons and daughters of God, born by the Holy Spirit, then when you do something dumb, just admit it, quit it, and let's get on with it. But if there's a little bit of conviction, you should be saying, thank you, because even though my flesh rises up from time to time, but my heart is still pursuing you, my king. And more than anything, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I want to be like my father. There's a message that I, I wrote that I want to tell not only my heavenly father, but I guess my real father, but... Thank you. Correcting me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for not allowing me to wander so far from you that I could not hear your voice and respond to your love. Thank you for not allowing me to get involved with that person who is who was making evil plans for my future Father thank you for closing that door to that relationship it was a trap that was set for me I was next on the menu I cried for a while but now I clearly understand their motive Thank you for not allowing that job promotion or that loan to go through. That would cause me to move away. You've always given me what was best for me. Some of us, some of us, 
We give anything in our savings account, Danny. To have five minutes with our godly father. Some of you ladies that was raised in a good godly home, you give anything to have your dad come back for five minutes. You give anything to have your father back that raised you, corrected you, protect you, kept you in boundaries. Even at the time when you were in high school growing up, you thought they was trying to punish you, but now then you see it clearly. The only reason why he set perimeters and boundaries is because you were a part of him. He didn't care about the neighbor's kids. He didn't care about the kids down the street. He only cared about you. I'd give everything that I had for five minutes with my father. Thank you. Thank you because I yelled and screamed and kicked and screamed and threw gravel in the parking lot when you told me no, but boy, I'd give anything to have it back. You set perimeters in my life because you just love me. And as Christians this morning, we cannot afford to go through life another day fatherless. God's promise is true. Psalm 68 and 5 says, I will be a father to the fatherless. So while we're here at this, this morning is very simple. Father, more than anything in this world, I just want to be like you. I know that's a great stretch of the imagination. But some this morning absolutely knows what it's like to be raised in a godly home with good parental guidance, love and respect, good upbringing, perimeters, boundaries, only because they were loved and unfortunately some was raised on the other side of the perimeters, left to fend for themselves. But one thing that we have in common this morning, whatever walk of life we've come from, we have one thing in common this morning is that we have a heavenly father that loves us. And if he loves us, he'll set perimeters and boundaries and structures to keep us from going so far that we cannot hear his love calling us back to him. Father, thank you for correcting us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for depositing your Holy Spirit in my life that when I tried so hard to prove you wrong, I still could not have run away from your grace. You've got more grace than I've got sin. You've got more patience than I've got stubbornness. Thank you for that. But thank you for not letting me get in that trap. Thank you for not 
allow me to get involved with that person. Thank you so much for not allowing me to take into that pyramid scheme that would destroy me mentally, physically, and emotionally. You kept me from that. I see it now. So teach us to pray. Teach us to get in your presence, in your face, that we may hear what you have to say to help us to become the men and the women that we should be as sons and daughters of God. You are a good father. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. If you believe that this morning, stand to give the Lord a praise offering, would you please? Huh? God is good. They don't call me Papa Jody for nothing, huh? We're here because God loves you. God has always loved you. God has set perimeters along your way to keep you from going too far because he loves you. And you would say to me before we change our service, you may say, well, what about the guy down the street? We're not talking about the guy down the street. I'm talking about you this morning. He's loved you with a holy calling. And with cords of love, he said, I'll draw you back to me. I'm glad you're here this morning. Let the Father love you today. Communion service, please come if you would. We celebrate Holy Communion every week. It's a reminder of his love for us. The manifold grace of God is God revealing himself to you in a variety of ways. When you weren't even aware that he was even on the planet, he was watching over and caring for you until you made your commitment to God. Jesus said with his disciples that evening, he took the cup and he took the bread and he said, this bread has been celebrated for 1500 years. It's the unleavened bread. But John 6 said that I am the bread of life that my Father has sent down from heaven. And if you eat of this manna bread, you'll hunger again. But if you eat of me, you will never hunger again. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is symbolic of the first Passover. The blood was taken from the lamb and placed on the doorpost in the shape of a cross and the death angel would pass over Abaddon. And Jesus said, now I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my Father will take my blood in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Father, this morning more than anything, we want to be like you. I've seen all the patterns of prosperous churches, fancy preachers, famous authors, I've seen the display of what people say we can become and what we can look like. 
But of all of these, I just simply want to be like you. Help us stay within the lines and the perimeters that we will be truly sons and daughters of God in Christ's name. Amen.